Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first pull-up trade podcast that has ever been recorded while the Raptors are not actively playing basketball. Not in that we only record during live game time, but rather that the Raptors have been ousted. Uh, they won't be in the playoffs. They were briefly in the postseason, and they lost to the Chicago Bulls in the 9-10 series. You'll see on screen, if you're listening on YouTube, that there are two representatives from Dioranto. Um, obviously, that was a big storyline. We have Nabil and S, friends of the show, who are just hopping on. Um, we kind of wanted to, you know, group chat this thing as the Raptors failed horribly. Um, for myself, I watched, the, I, you know, I covered the game, watched the game. The commute was crazy. I had to write a piece. Then I had to commute for exit interviews. Then I was at exit interviews for like six hours. The, the final sum of all of this is it's 6 p.m. the next day. I have not slept yet. So if there's any deliriousness, please excuse me. Hey, let's go in order. S, how the hell are you? I'm good, man. I did not know. I, I had to commute last night, too, and it was the worst I've ever experienced commuting. It was Well, it's because the Jays game was also happening at the same time. So it was just you're like – this in a subway just waiting for the, the train to come so yeah i feel you on the commute brother i was there uh, I felt sardines you know who else probably feels squeezed right now trey because of our gossman and manoa bet gossman twirling more gems last night trey how are you doing oh i've had days. <laughs> <laughs> And so this was actually S popped on because he's extremely gracious. Nabil has been plotting on this podcast for some time now. He, I'll set, I'll set the stage for everybody. Nabil basically is in the friend group, the guy who is peaking at Tankathon and who is fervently against reinvesting in this core. Many people probably looking at the situation right now are saying, that's the guy who is correct. We, we want to listen to that guy. And guess what? You get to Nabil. The floor is yours. The Raptors, they are, I guess, <laughs> getting a little bit better pick now. How, how are you feeling over there? I don't even know why I'm sweating, man. I'm not even that pro tank. This is... This is <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You yelled, you yelled Kobe Bufkin. There's <laughs> 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 video proof. I, I will just say, uh, towards February... Uh, I, I, have never consumed more college basketball. <laughs> I was prepping for this moment. No, man, it's, um, I, uh, we, we watched the game together, uh, some of us and, um, man, I'm, I'm still stunned. I, I, I can't lie. I did want us ultimately to lose and, and try to get the best pick possible, but I had no clue. I had 
I, I I did not think we would lose that. Like I just thought from every matchup they could throw at us schematically, I just did not foresee a scenario of the Raptors losing. And here I am debuting <sighs> on this pod in black to celebrate or not to celebrate, sorry, <laughs> celebrate <laughs> for the funeral. <laughs> oh, that was a brilliant slip. <laughs> oh my god. So Nabil, let's let's follow this thread. You got what you wanted. Like you said, you wanted the Raptors to lose. Obviously, the motivation there is that it's a better draft pick. That's obvious. We're going to talk about that later on the podcast. Mm. But what else are you looking for the to accompany a higher draft pick? Like the team, if everybody comes back. I just left exit interviews. Everyone loves Nick. Everyone loves the city. They said so. <laughs> what do you want to happen with the rest of the team? Uh, the contracts that are currently in flux, I would say. It's tough. I mean, we'll touch on it more, but, you know, I think the the primary motivation was, you know, we gave up next year's first for Yak, and uh, so we don't have that pick. And then if we do bring back everyone, which is likely in our best interest, you know, I, I, I don't know if I could bear to see another uh, potential or pending free agent just, just walk and us get nothing back in return. Um, if we re-sign with this, we're likely a tax team, and we have no real way other than trades to – and whatever, you know, uh, tools are available to us to get free agents, likely the minimum and some version of the mid-level or biannual exception to add players. So this is kind of our last chance to get, uh, 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 or add talent rather that's, you know, on the team for the foreseeable future on a rookie scale contract and then whatever the extension looks like after that. So I think that's what I was hoping for. But in terms of other changes, I mean, it's, it's tough to say. I think I just I, all I know is you cannot run this team back. Like there's no chance, whether it's from a cultural standpoint or, you know, the the bench group or the core. I just some material sizable changes have to occur on the roster. OK, so obviously nobody wants to run it back because you just lost to the 10 seed and you didn't make the playoffs. And that obviously didn't go well. But as you said, you don't want to let people walk for free. So while you are kind of discussing it as like, maybe it's Kobe Bufkin, maybe it's whomever, right? Being the last chance to add talent to this core, that's posturing, right? Like you want the organization to say, hey, we want to be kind of decent next year. Maybe the, the starting lineup is good. Maybe they win minutes. And that's like how you want it to go. But ultimately, you want guys traded from points of leverage, I would assume. Yeah, essentially. I mean, you know, whether that's through, through signing trade mechanisms or exploring, if you can't, you know, agree to some sort of verbal extension when I think I think Blake had tweeted that OG is eligible in October for that. You know, um, if you can't come to a, you know, agreement on that, maybe you look to move him earlier than expected in the offseason or potentially at the draft. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's whatever mechanisms are, are exist for us to be able to accomplish that. You know, I, I think it's th- and that's the tricky part of this all, right? Like it's it's literally going to have to be a Bobby and Masai masterclass. The 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 cap tables up on the IBM Watson dashboard in the war room, just going <laughs> nuts. Like it's 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 man, it's I I would not want to be them this offseason. It's it's going to be really tough. Okay, so the floor is open to either Trey or S. The last time we all talked on a podcast was when it was what January third. Yeah. Um, there was discussions of taking dismantling the team. All three of us voiced the support of rather than trade a first round pick, you would rather trade Fred Van Vliet for a first round pick. That was the 
maybe the main or central talking point or like hot take s let's go what do you i just i just realized i have to go so look the only clarification i sort of want i know i I literally duty calls but (laughs) um no the only clarification i want and to be honest this is really important for the summer is is can the raptors i have to look at it myself but like can the raptors re-sign and i know blake has written about this before you have talked about it before as well but like can we say me first just (laughs) (laughs) can they can they re-sign all three of their ufas and somehow still duck the tax and then be able to maneuver that way is there a way to still be competitive by doing that because that implies that you're probably moving multiple bench pieces or at least one of the core guys who are you know kind of they still they still have their contracts there so i just i want some clarification as to how that would work you know what i mean if because that's a huge part of this that's a huge part of like nabil's master plan here too also is is if we can yeah the master plan is it is is if the raptors in any way if they feel like they still want to be competitive next year i don't see a route of them doing that without re-signing these guys in some way or at least getting compensation back that makes sense for them to be competitive next year because otherwise what was the trade deadline you know how are you gonna how are you gonna reconcile not moving a fred van Vliet or not moving a gary trent jr if you decide to just let these guys walk in in the summer so that's my that's where i'm at right now is like how are they gonna like like nabil said like finagle the cap space and like maneuver it in a way to make this thing work you know i'll also say that Jakob was pretty non-committal <laughs> Yeah, to be honest with you. But before you go, Pascal, OG, Fred, you got to pick one to trade. Who would you trade? I would probably say OG. And it's tough because Uh, I I, because like at this point, what is Fred getting you if you end up trading him? I'm not sure you're getting a ton of stuff back. I mean, if the, the reported rumors during the deadline was like, Okay, you get a 2029 first round pick and and Grayson Allen and maybe some stuff there. Like if that was available, then I doubt it'd be anything better in the summer. Uh, if anything, it'd be very, very worse than that. Um, so I don't know. I, I think from that standpoint, you're just not going to get a lot of value back for Fred. Um, and then when it comes to Pascal and OG, I just think it's tough to it's a tough pill to swallow saying you've given up a first round pick and that you want to be competitive next year. And oh, by the way, we're going to trade our guy who is potentially an all NBA player. Like the only guy who kind of is it meets in the middle at that point is OG. He's the only guy that, okay, maybe his development hasn't tracked the way some people have expected. And maybe there's some stuff left on the bone that can be developed on other teams. And maybe other teams value him at the, the, the price point that he's at. So I think I think he makes sense as the guy if you're looking to move one of those guys. It would be pretty funny if over this stretch of years that the Raptors got more draft compensation for trading their coaches than they did for trading their players. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? But yeah. S, thanks for popping in. We'll talk to you later. Trey, my friend, the floor is yours. I just can I get like your flashbulb thoughts on like it, oh. it, I feel like it, it was bordering on going on viral that video of you yelling, "We traded a first um, <laughs> in your distraught," but oh. it, it didn't. It didn't quite take off. You know, it, it was a popular tweet, but it didn't quite get there. Tell me, can you walk me through your emotions, please? Actually, that's what I want more than anything. Uh, okay. Uh, yesterday, so 
everyone, Makai's been on this podcast. Everyone knows he's a Bulls fan. For the last week or so, we knew that these teams were going to match up together. Me and him have been sending each other memes, talking trash this whole time. There was never a point where I thought the Raptors were going to lose this game. I've watched the, all the Bulls games. We've discussed their scheme at nauseum. We thought Jakob would offer some real, real issues for it, and he did. The Raptors played well. I sent Makai a video telling him, talk up now. We're up 20. This is mid, this is this is at halftime, actually. Zach Levine scores 14 points in the, in the third quarter. I get a little worried. The Raptors turn the ball over, I think, three or four possessions in a row. Game's tied now. And from that point on, it's it's all a blur. <laughs> immediate depression Zach Levine hit incredible shots and I don't think I blame like any one player or even like there's not even anger it's just like utter sadness of this season and yeah yeah. that's that's kind of the thing that is tough yeah is that the Raptors moving forward the most sensible thing is to make sure that they don't lose any more value they don't yeah. lose any more ability to maneuver. It is probably the most sensible to enter the tax and like trade your way out of it or trade your way into a better team or just try and like, you got to work the phones, man. That's that's how you improve this team. And you also have to hope not only for more internal development, but you have to hope for internal healing. Things have not been good. Players have been upset. Coaches have been upset, oftentimes at each other. And as much as they won't come out and say it, you know, it's been happening. And so the bring the band back together oftentimes is more tenable from a pragmatic point of view than it is from like a feelings point of view, which is the, the inverse of what it was around the deadline, right? Because the pragmatic point of view was like, don't invest deeper into this core that might get you in trouble. And, you know, the feelings was like, we like these guys. These are our guys. Let's give them a shot. Yeah. They got it, their shot. It was an empty, like the chamber was empty, I guess. I don't know. It was a, it was a blank. It's, um, uh, it's a similar, obviously not as worse, but it's a similar feeling um, with 2018 where they, they, put all, all their bullets in the holster and said, we're going to go at this. We're going to go at the Cavs. We have a chance to win. And most people thought they're, they're going to win. And there was like a clear like line in the sand and indication that they weren't good enough. Obviously at the time, like everyone wanted to blow up the team. We're never going to win a championship. And they made like a hard turn in investing and trading like one of their core pieces. I don't think the Raptors are obviously there, but there's we're at a point where there needs to be a strong, a strong inclination of what they're going to do that happens this summer, whether that's trading for a star and maybe getting older or focusing around Scotty and, and OG and placing that as your future. I don't think you can let the, these guys go away for free. I ideally like Fred, Gary, all these guys stay and they play better and you can trade your way into getting younger, cheaper guys who that's also- your ideal. Like you're you're just keeping them until they recoup value. Like that's that's where you're at. Uh, same same plan as as two episodes ago. I would say I I think you still have to trade one of them, one to 
ideally have a pick next year while um, while you're because you're we're unsure if this is a playoff team uh, currently stated, and then um, two just to have um, depth. The if we have an average marginal bench, that they probably still win this game despite the free throws. Can I? So Fred had an interesting. Fred talked for like thirty minutes. Nurse talked for like thirty minutes. Like five full minutes of him was he and Grange going back and forth, and Grange being like, "The things you say are not true, Nick." And Nick <laughs> giving him the hard stare back. It was oh man. But anyway, Fred talked a lot. And when asked about, like, the thing that I asked him was um, if it was difficult because I suspected that he had never been in a situation where everybody in the room vocalizes, we're going to be better, we're going to bring the energy, we're going to get everything going again. And that just doesn't happen. And Fred talked about the team. I think he had a quote from last game where he was saying, like, we're 41 and 41. That's the kind of team that we are. But he also mentioned today, he's like, well, you know, 41 and 41, maybe 48 wins puts us in the 60th of the season. He's like, we must add like 10 games that we let slip away. And to somebody who's not going to interrogate their feelings or like the, the sense of that at all, that might pass. But that is like completely nonsensical as analysis. That, that, that is not how the game works whatsoever. Yeah. In addition to that, Fred also said that they can't try and survive off the osmosis or the feelings of the championship season anymore. And like, I'm curious where you guys sit on all of that when, because he's clearly alluding to there being a higher ceiling to this team. Yeah. While also saying like, none of the good vibes are guaranteed anymore. None of the, none of the wins, none of the greater than the sum of its parts are guaranteed anymore. And Nabil, we'll start with you. What do you think about that kind of commentary? It was big. Kyle Lowry's not walking through that door vibes. Um, no, it's honestly, I think I thought Fred was tremendous. There were so many good quotes uh, from today's, uh, from his availability today, but that one stood out to me the most. I think, yeah, I, I think it's indicative of a lot of things. I think, you know, firstly, you know, if you want to touch a bit on the on the scheme, the, you know, aggressive helping at the nail, leaving corner shoes open, you know, Xing out, all the nexting, switching, you know, hyperactive rotations, just that level of play that was super exhausting and, and we kind of relied on. And, you know, now it's been a few years removed from that championship. There's been a lot of roster turnover and you know, how sustainable is that? But also, yeah, just the just the general vibes. Uh, you know, we, we had an incredibly uh, experienced and, and veteran team for that title run. And, you know, a lot of those players are, are no longer here. You know, even some of the, the coaching staff and, 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 you know, personnel just in the Raptors, um, both on the basketball and on the basketball side aren't here. There's been a lot of changes. And I think I think it's telling he said it. And I think he's. I, I can't recall a player or a coach or anyone in the organization coming out explicitly and and being that vocal uh, of, of saying something like that. So in a sense, it was refreshing to hear, but I think it is indicative of both the on-court stuff and, and the off-court stuff that has essentially changed since that title run. Trey, your thoughts? Uh, I think we've kind of talked about a lot of it like ad nauseum, especially like defensively. The... Like the level of role players that are in the NBA now can punish a lot of the things that the Raptors do. 
we we two years ago we you're okay with letting Patrick Beverly and Caruso taking taking those shots this year they kill you and there's a big reason why we lost the game that's been like a consistent force throughout the year but I think this even goes from the the front office I think from as like the Raptors as a, a core in, in in general like the the aura of it kind of feels like Things are going to right the ship because over, say, from 2013 to 2019, they've been correct on nearly every decision that they've made. And they've usually zigged when everyone zagged. I think it's the opposite, actually. So, it does, yeah, hey, you know. It doesn't matter. But um, <laughs> I, I think philosophically, the way that they draft needs to change. We need shot making. It's clear as day. Even... Even when a team is playing poorly, there's guys like Zach Levine that can get you back into a game simply because they make the toughest shots in in the biggest moments. Um, from a coaching standpoint, I, I don't think that you can rely on getting more possessions in order to score baskets. You need to have a foundation and be able to actually score. And then over a long period of time, it's very clear. We've seen this two two seasons in a row. If you continue to drag on minutes with your your top top line players, there's diminishing returns. And when you get towards the end of the season, you're going to see you're going to see those players that you've been relying on not fall short per se, but they aren't able to give you the same sort of level. You saw that with Fred, who who Nick pushed on a lot to carry us to those 48 wins, and you saw that with Pascal, who was playing at superstar level for two months and really fell off with the, the taxing defense and, and minutes that he's been giving throughout the year. I kind of want to just stick on Pascal. An up-and-down season for him, when he was asked about it today, he said that he wasn't um, pleased. He wasn't satisfied. And, of course, he would go on to say, like, he's never satisfied and he's doing, you know, like, I'm in the gym dialogue. And he's like, that's that's kind of, like, Pascal does. He's like an insane worker. He's always trying to add to his bag. But how do you guys feel about Pascal being the type of player? I know you guys have said like, well, Trey, you had said at least one of them has to go. But is Pascal still showing as a guy who's good enough to kind of transcend timelines and he's just, you keep him on the team? Because I remember we discussed that earlier at the start of January, right? It's like, Pascal's so good, you just keep him because a player this good doesn't come along. But how do we feel now? after you know his his slump started around there you know it was a couple days after the the 50 point game it was an elongated slump it's he goes five for 11 from the free throw line it's the fan base is maybe a bit spoiled but the fan base is um, not as loving or you know infatuated with pascal as they may be with other players and so where do you guys stand on Pascal and like his future with this team? Is the, is the the max signing something you're looking forward to, or would you rather the Raptors go elsewhere? Um, for me, I, I would I would extend him. Even even despite like his poor play, he was still engineering an entire offense and still offering defense. I think like the biggest like diminishing like returns we saw was defensively. Like the amount of miles that both him and Fred like travel throughout the year when he realized like they're top three in the league and then both asked to bail the Raptors out with tough shots towards the like the end of clock situations. You can see why that there's a fall off two years in a row with both of these players. It's like clear as day. 
I would extend him just simply because the way that his game is, it isn't, although he is quite athletic for his position, he's more, he's more smooth and methodical and meticulous. Whereas, whereas like someone like um, say Blake Griffin, if he was at 20, you would have like those like apprehensions. I think Pascal is going to age very well. I think that he benefits Scotty and OG in the way that he plays and helping them become better players and score much easier ways. And then also he fits the, the, like the, the trope that kind of like Demar was, if we do eventually start trickling more players and get an actual deep core, he could be that gateway that leads you to that second star or that, that next star that pairs with Scotty and leads you into contention. I think, yeah, stars get the biggest return. That's just, you can, it stars, always get the biggest return they're not always the best fit for a team sometimes they don't lead you to win sometimes they don't do whatever but if you have the star you just want to you you either try and run everything back with them try and win games try and you know ascend to a championship level team but ultimately like stars are that's where the most value is always and forever i'll tell you what about always and forever you know who i appreciate always and forever Queensway Automotive Group, the sponsor of this podcast. Let me tell you, a bunch of locations all over the GTA, Volkswagen, Mazda, Mitsubishi. They've got new, they've got pre-owned, they've got used, they've got tons of vehicles. They can take them to the location closest to you. If you want to shop around quotes to try and compare cars and look for the best deal, they will help you with that. If you need to have your car looked at, they will help you with that. If you want to lease something, if you want to get out of lease, basically anything to do with vehicles, they can help you out. And that's actually really important because, you know, cars are tough. It's like a soupy sales industry. You want to find somebody you can trust, somebody that'll do good by you, Queensway Automotive Group. There is a link in the bio for anybody who so chooses to support us and the sponsor of the podcast. We appreciate it very much. And once again, it does it, it does greatly. It helps out the podcast. Us, who you enjoy listening to, hopefully. I'll tell you who I enjoy listening to. Nabil. Are there any other thoughts you have for us on the different aspects of the Raptors team building going forward? No, I thought I thought Trey uh, summarized it really well. And I'm I'm glad he touched on I think the defensive side of, of Pascal's game sort of falling off. And I know you've talked about it a bunch, Samson, throughout the years, and, and you as well, Trey. And, you know, I, I think it's it's tough. Like, the steal and block numbers were down, but even the eye test, if you look at the film, it's just it, it, it across the board, especially in January, February. You know, I was looking over those minutes again. He averaged, like, 38, 39 minutes both of those months. You go through the game logs, and you just count the amount of 40-plus minute games that he played in it, like – like man, I was grabbing mine. He's watching him just work and 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 you know push himself into the ground, just just trying to will this team to wins. And you know that let, let's be let's be honest. Like it, it at times, you know, for most of the season, it felt like he was operating in like a, a, a spacing of like a, a regular college team. I mean, he always sees two, three guys usually in the paint. And he still managed to average 24, 8, and 6, basically, on, on near league average efficiency. And, you know, fingers crossed, but I, I don't think he's going to make the All-NBA team. And if it hasn't happened... His fingers number, crossed. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to save the tax no matter what. Oh, man. <laughs> 
I fingers crossed. He, I hope he makes it. Fingers but crossed. It just looks like sixty million. Safe, we we know. Hey hey. hey um, Baker, Listen. while we have you here, this is the outside looking in, man. So everybody who, when S was on the podcast, we got his. He, he lives in Toronto. All of us live in Toronto, and we we follow the like. Some of us work covering the Raptors. Some of us are fans of the Raptors. Everybody pays a lot of attention. Baker, you're from the DMV. You see this team from the outside. What do you think about this team? By the way, for audio listeners, Baker, who has been on this podcast before, is on the podcast again. He's about to talk to you. <laughs> uh, me personally, um, like, I-, I definitely, like, have more respect than other people do. Like, when I talk to friends or family, like, they clearly don't, like, like see – they don't clearly see, the like, Toronto as, like, a – like a top level team, you know. Compared- Wait, your family's talking trash about the Raptors? <laughs> <laughs> Is this what's happening? <laughs> no, like, like, yeah, just like, um, they don't really like. I mean, because I watch a lot more basketball than they do, so they keep, they don't really like. They don't really see. They don't really watch as much, like, um, unless it's on national television. But um, in my case, like, I'm just. I'm like even when me even when you me and you talked like Sam about like when they were playing the Wizards like I said like I was like I was kind of shocked that how bad they were and how inconsistent up and down they were all year saying like, yo like they can they can turn this around like they'll figure it out you know they have Jakob Pertl you know they have a true center so they'll figure it out but like they didn't like they didn't move they didn't improve in the standings um they didn't make any marginal like um, strides. They didn't win a bunch of games. They didn't rip off like a good s- stretch of basketball. They just like it was win one, lose one, win three, lose three. Like it, it was just very like it's just middling, and that's not where you want to be like in an NBA team. So um, watching the watching the game yesterday, like I had to um, I had to watch the second half because I left for. Um, I love for Tadawak prayer, but uh, mm-hmm. just watching that game, like they were in control for two and a half quarters, and then they just Chicago decided to actually start playing more physical on on the ball. Um, they got some turnovers, and then it just fell apart from there. Like you know, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan just getting to the rim at will. So like it is just a microcosm. This this game was just a microcosm of what's happened. You know. Um, obviously, you know, missing 18 free throws is very bad, <laughs> but um, it's it's just you know like it's very upsetting. But um, I can't see I didn't see like this result coming because it's the writing's been on the wall all season. We all in the chat we have opinions about the Thunder who had like a great game last night, for example. We have opinions about how the Thunder should build despite not being as heavily invested in that team as we are in others. Despite not being as heavily invested in the Raptors, what do you think? Who do you think the Raptors should prioritize heading into the future? Um, obviously, you know, you should build around, you, you should obviously try to keep Scotty because, you know, he, he was the rookie of the year and you don't want to let a player like that go. So, you know, you, you got... Like the Raptors are in a in a pretty good spot because they're not like in the same situation as a lot of the other playing teams. Like they're not in the they're not in the situation of like Miami or like 
Atlanta where they're kind of just like they kind of have this mix of like just young guys and like you know old old players like they have like they can go in either direction if they want to so they have that in their back pocket um so like I definitely you know keeping Scotty you know keeping you know try to keep OG because you know losing him is pretty I know like everybody has like their take on OG and like he's not like you know is he this good or is he that good or is he this or that and like you know people are like frustrated because like he's always in trade rumors and you know they always end up keeping him but um I think maybe you just try to keep him because you know um because he what he what he brings is like very it's very unique and you can't get much of that value back no matter who you like send out for him so I think try and keep him and I think the odd man out this offseason is probably Gary Trent Jr. Um, he missed a lot. He missed a ton of time. Um, <laughs> he missed a ton of time. Um, and then um, when he came back, he just wasn't right. And uh, so I think he lost a lot of his value. And uh, I brought this up like in our chat. I think I think Gary's on. I'm, I'm not sure any there. I'm not sure any team out there is going to give him a the contract he wants i think he's gonna have to do the he's gonna have to take the malik monk route like a one-year prove a deal on like some other team and like you know if he plays well he earns himself a, a payday from somebody else so i think he's gonna be the odd man out and obviously you have to prioritize fred yak some trade pretty action pick for him um so yeah, like they have they have their hands full this offseason because they have to fix this roster very bad. Oh my Keenan is in the <laughs> The legend. The legend, man. Okay. Um just cause the audio, Baker, I'm gonna boot you, brother. I appreciate yeah. the insights. No um, problem. Enjoy eating, bro. Enjoy the rest of your night. And uh Hey, I have one question though. Like I have a couple questions before I leave. Um, number one, Trey. One, how, how long until your smile is back? And Nabil. <laughs> and Nabil. Um, I don't know if you've talked about it enough, but like, I need some Kobe Buffkin talk. Okay. <laughs> All right, peace, peace, guys. Peace. All right, joining us now, Keenan. Key. Um, the Raptors just lost. We're getting opinions from a bunch of different people about who they want to build around heading into the uh, the future. What what do you want this team to look like in a couple of years? Who do you want it to feature most heavily? Well, honestly, I think it's going to be built around well Pascal or Scotty, and you build around them the same ways. Uh, whatever you build around Pascal, you can kind of just like grandfather into Scotty when Scotty's ready to take that number one position. A uh, bunch of shooting, um, more dynamic guards, things that will make his life easier. Uh, I'm I'm just like looking at how old Siakam is now. Like the other option is kind of just kind of throwing it all the way, getting rid of Siakam, uh, getting a bunch of pieces that you can build with Scotty for the future. Uh, just because of how old Siakam is, I think that they could have done this before, but they didn't. So I think you kind of just have to wipe your hands clean and get whatever you can assets from uh, that player and wish him well. And hopefully he can be in contention. Can I tell you something? I've never heard the term grandfather in 
but when you said it, it actually made sense to me. <laughs> that's I, kind of spitting. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually think that's like a clever way to to frame it. Is that if Scotty and Pascal, everybody was complaining about you know them having overlapping skills, it means that you can build the team for one, and another guy can kind of inherit a lot of the same things yeah. as another guy, perhaps. However, the skill development shakes out for Pascal, who's probably at the end of his curve, right? Like he's probably not adding a ton of other stuff. Yeah, we'll see. There'll be discrete things, but Scotty, who has tons to add, um, I think that's like a really clever way to frame it. We're gonna come back to you, Key, but okay. first we got to go to what Baker wanted to hear from Trey, <laughs> and um, and we'll talk about Kobe Buffkin at the end of the podcast in a bit. So, Trey, the smile. What's the status? Um, I have I have I haven't smiled since the game. I, you're, you're smiling now. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it's not the same. This is, this is like <laughs> it's a forced you smile. know, like how like Two Face has that that smile like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a smile under duress. I'm smiling to hold on to life. But currently, it's what? it's a it's a tough loss. It's probably like a top top ten Raptors loss ever. I would say. What's it gonna take? Ah, uh, Masai. I I need to hear this exit interview, and I need him to say something more direct than what he said at the deadline because he was like i don't know bro we're gonna we're gonna have to find out but this time we need something direct before before we get to the kobe buffkin talk um talk a little bit more about what keenan wants to talk about but i was at the exit interviews for the players and nick nurse today um does anybody have any questions about like quotes you saw things you saw floating around vibes etc i have one um Scotty mentioned his conditioning like a few times, which is <laughs> that, that something that I really took away from the season because he picks up everybody 94 feet, whether he can guard him or not. So that was really interesting because a lot of the time I get the sense I got I got Scotty to hunker down and talk about post coverages with me for like two and a half minutes. It was a miracle. But Scotty is a guy who he really likes stiff arms questions from the media constantly. So when he was asked what he wants to improve upon, he and OG both today were like, I just want to become the best player I can be like 80 times. Roll it back, roll it back. And then so Scotty finally relented and was like, I guess my conditioning so I can play like the way I want to play. And then everybody was like, your conditioning? What's what's this about your conditioning? So I got asked about it like three times. And when he got asked about it, like, oh, your conditioning, you want to improve it. It was like he took offense to that notion and he immediately like pushed back. He's like, no, my conditioning is good. <laughs> and then he got asked about it later. And he's like, no, I like my conditioning. I feel really <laughs> good right now, actually. And that's kind of like how it shook out. So I don't know if he actually cares about his conditioning. But I do know that the initial quote like got a bit of buzz. And somebody actually tagged me under the tweet was like, what's this about? And I had to be like, well, he like circled back on it and denied it like a minute later so i don't know what to, <laughs> what to make of it i like being in better he's heavier now and not heavier in a bad way like he put on muscle that's like you know if it, between all of us here keenan probably would run the fastest marathon right like it's yeah. you know it's like you have like the the svelte frame you'd be more slick you can have more stamina and Scotty having like the biggest shoulders in the world that's a lot to carry around so maybe there's something to it but as far as actually being Scotty like going and working on his stamina exclusively to try and like make the most of it in the off season. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Were Messiah and Bobby or any of the front office personnel like around? Mm -mm. 
it's just it was just PR people, um, PR people, players, and media like myself. But um, Masai and Bobby, maybe they're working them phones, dude. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I, I agree with what Trey said though. The the that press conference he did after the deadline. I I in my time, at least in his time uh, with the Raptors, um, in all the interviews, press conferences, and I've never seen him look more unsure and less confident in my life. So, like, I think some assuredness from him uh, at this exit interview about, like, firmly evaluating, picking a direction and really, really committing to whatever direction that is would be nice to see. It's, yeah, it is really interesting. It's, it is really funny because at that press conference that you're referring to, when he used the term selfish, right, that the team had been playing selfishly, that was used by media as like the impetus to kind of elicit a response from a player because if a if a media person says like eh, the team seems like it's playing selfish a player will say no we're not but then if you say Masai said you guys are playing selfishly they're like okay yeah maybe we were doing some selfish things but another funny thing that happened was that Fred was talking about how playing with all of that chaos might not work anymore and they might have to find and craft a new way forward. That was brought up to Pascal that he said that. And Pascal was like, did Fred actually say that? Because <laughs> he was like, wow, he actually said that? Damn. Um, regardless, Keenan, any other thoughts for us? Um, uh, it, it, it's honestly just on Fred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk Fred. Uh, we fell to our knees in the uh, in the bar. There was four of us. <laughs> They're all screaming no when he shot that shot with two minutes left. It felt like Denzel Valentine. I just <laughs> come on. Right. I'm he had twenty six in the game. What? <laughs> yeah, twenty six in the game. That shot just it just really hurt, and it felt like an explanation of the entire Raptor season. Just that one play. Uh, so, in in terms of Nick Nurse, like I. I'm kind of over him. Like, I think that he's there to bring players to the ceiling. He's not there to, like, bring them, like, in development-wise. Like, he's there to, like, oh, I'm a championship coach. I'm going to go here, work with the tools that I have, and win a championship and deal with all these multiple personalities and bring the hammer down. He's not the type of guy to, like, develop and give people opportunities, give them minutes, and kind of just work them along. So I think that we need a new guy, uh, definitely, in that regard. I think that's that is consensus in most of the people that I've talked to when Blake and I just however many hours ago yeah. did the reaction podcast like we both said that we didn't expect Nurse to be back and I think that we were both pretty happy pretty like okay with that like yep that seems sensible that the team's the team and the coach part ways amicably but as far as Fred the thing I kind of want to stick on is like the anecdotes of missed shots I think that they exist a bit larger, but I think that there is also some some bad shot decisions in there. Mm-hmm. But also, like when you say you said dynamic guards earlier, I'm not going to make you name dynamic guards or anything like that. But are would you rather they try and pursue that avenue via the draft, like a dynamic guard to pair with Scotty and OG? Yeah. Or would you rather them try to upgrade Fred's position right now via trade or something like that? I don't know. I like, I just, I'm looking at the team and like in 2023, we're not a roster based on shooting like at all. We don't even have like a three point variance that we can be like, yeah, this is how we can reach our ceiling and nobody can beat us. Like that's not 
And it was really evident when we were playing like teams like Indiana and Golden State, and these guards would kill us. And it's like, I wish we had a player like that, like a Jordan Poole, a Maxi. Like, if we could draft somebody like that, that would be awesome on this team. And like, I'm looking at even at the Indiana roster, and it's like, yo, throw Pascal on that roster and imagine the type of things he could do with the amount of shooting and the guard depth and all the other aspects that they have, even just having Miles Turner. But yeah, to answer your question in like a short, I would love to draft one. That makes sense. I think like I think that's really sensible. I think that aligns with I guess we'll just all four of us, what position if if the Raptors in an ideal world can get best player available and it's also the position you think fits this team best, what position is it? And we'll start with Nabil. I would say like point guard or if we want to do away with positions primary ball handler because as it stands we don't have someone we don't have a prospect in the farm for an eventual Fred replacement and whether you want him traded or or you want him retained I I don't I personally don't see Fred being on this team you know at worst in the next two to three years so you know I think having uh essentially developing a replacement for him would be ideal and, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into draft stuff more later and there's more time for that. But like just where the range we're falling in, I think there will be some good lead guards that uh, reasonably are the best player available in that uh, slot to take. And Keenan, it's it's you're still on the guard. That would be your ideal situation. Guard, Or if we can get a shooting big, somebody just stretch it out a little bit, do some big things, but not essentially all the stuff that Jakob does. But give like a different uh, look that we kind of had when we had uh, Marcus Gasol and Ibaka. We were very versatile in that, where we could have a pick and pop, or we could have a guy who plays more like more traditional down low and more is like a hub in the elbow. And Trey, what do you um, want? I would say I'm probably more bullish on Pascal as a primary ball handler than most. So I I want more. I I want a guard, obviously, but. I would lead more to someone that's going to hand, handle tertiary duties. Like a guy like Jet Howard, who can come off of DHO. He's going to be able to spot up. He'll be able to attack a closeout, two dribbles, hit a jump shot. I think Gary Trent Jr. played very well, like attached to Pascal because of those reasons. And if you can multiply that across the team, it A, creates more space for him. And when he has that space, he looks like a top 15, sometimes even top 10 player. And then also just opens up more lanes for guys like OG, um, Scotty, who can then utilize like their strength and speed to be more effective cutters because there isn't four guys chilling in the paint. I think, yeah, I, I fall in that group as well. Primary ball handler, if you can get like a good primary ball handler, just do it and then hope that that primary ball handler can scale down and do some of the tertiary stuff. But if you can get, you know, as Trey said, like a tertiary dynamic guard not only does that assist a lot of what the raptors are doing but the roster imbalance just really calls for it you know i think everybody here wanted jeff Downton jr to sign that con to be signed on and to have a chance to play in the playing game and to play the last couple games of the season but we all know that he's not going to radically change that was kind of like this guy should be rewarded for what he's given to the yeah. team good guy and he can actually hoop but he's not changing anything in a significant at a significant margin. They need good guards. And as much as the guard position is changing in the NBA and it's getting bigger, 
like that's that's the biggest difference is that some of the big guys can do interesting things, but the biggest difference is that like a big point guard today is six foot seven, and a regular size point guard today is probably like six foot four. And a six four point guard used to be massive in the NBA, and that's that's where it's changing. So if the Raptors can add for roster balance for that dynamism, especially like I was in in doing that piece on the shooting development, thinking back to 2019 and 20, 2019, 20, where the Raptors, not only did they have Kyle Lowry and they had OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam to take set shots, but they could occupy so much of the defense with Norman Powell and Fred Van Vliet in motion and having Pascal to kind of collapse the defense and Kyle there to make sense of it. It was just like that team had really great roster balance. That's why they could achieve so much more than you thought they could. And the Raptors have really no roster balance and it's allowed for them to achieve a lot less than probably many people thought they would. Um, Keenan and I probably don't have, do you have a, like, I don't have a prospect at the top of my head. I'm about to dive into draft stuff now that the season's gone. I still haven't slept since the season has ended, fellas. I'll start after I sleep. Keenan, do you have a prospect? Because I don't. A prospect? Uh, no, but I always go with the safe thing: get a Nova guard or get a Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's hey, man. That, that it does work, especially it, in, like it, when you got quickly. You got all these guys coming up, like you know, there's there's no sense in trying. Is there? Um, do you guys know if there's like a Kentucky or a Nova guard that's like kind of hanging around the ten to fifteen range in so, this? No, Nova, no, no. Yeah, Cam Cam Whitmore isn't really woke. Like offers the same things, but um, Cass and Wallace for sure. Like if I were to do like, and I know you hate comp Samson, but <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give a comp. Um, he's similar in the and don't get upset, Keith. He's similar in the sense of a lot of the things that Alex Caruso does. I like, <laughs> I like him, <laughs> except for when he hit that corner three last night, bro. Yeah, he, like he offers he offers some shooting and some tertiary passing. Like there isn't. At the 10 to 15 range, like if they want a ball handler, I think they're going to have to reach and, and swing to, to get what they want. There's guys like Buffkin, but there's, I don't think it really depends if we fall at 11 or I think we're somewhere between 11 and 13, but they're probably going to have to reach. And ideally, I, the safer bet is rely on someone with plus level skills like a Grady Dick, Jet Howard, who can shoot, punish closeouts to play off of the all NBA forward that we have whereas trying to reach for somebody and hoping that they'll be able to take over the main duties of a top 15 player mm-hmm. seems like a lot to ask um nabil who do you have your eyes on in that range um 11 to 13 i think because you've been pining for it quite loudly dog you better like somebody i swear I've been, I've been waiting for this, man. Um, Kaysen's a good bet. Actually, Sansa, whenever you start doing your deep dive, Kaysen, uh, some of the defensive clips, if you miss the Kyle Lowry transition, body up, vertical volleyball spike contest, Kaysen's got a lot of those, and he actually connects on the ball with his hands. It's kind of – it's wild to see. He really is uh, a, a really, really fun uh instinctual defensive prospect. I think that's the other thing. I know we've talked about Fred's, you know, point of attack defense and where that was and where that is now. Uh, I think Kaysen is is probably, if not 
the best, like a top two, top three point of attack defender in this draft as a prospect. He's really strong. He's got good length, great hands. He competes. And I mean, he's a, 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 a great, you know, inside shot contester for a guard too, which is, you know, you don't find that a lot. Um, so he'd be good. And his shooting profile is, is really underrated. Um, I, I don't have the exact numbers, but I think he was like high 60s, low 70s in terms of uh, finishing at the rim, whether that's dunks or layups, capable mid-range shooter, was really good as a was really solid as a spot up shooter has a nice projectable shot and the passing reads were the big swing skill for him I think and he he really developed that not the same but similar to you know the passing stuff you saw Brandon Miller sort of develop as the you know season at Alabama went along so I think he'd be great I don't think he's going to be available at eleven like I'd be pretty surprised if he was I think he will probably go somewhere between like seven to ten. Um, but it's fun. You mentioned the tertiary ability and, you know, not necessarily a primary creator, maybe someone who has the potential to do that, but someone who can be that connector, can make shots, uh, you know, create for others and, and do all those things. I, I mean, it's it's a rough comparison and I'm not trying to compare the players, but like a, a guard Scotty almost, if you will, in a sense, uh, just conceptually. And Buffkin, and Buffkin, you know, ticks all those boxes. I'll just, I'll just read for you a real quick stat. So since... I think how far back is this database go? Since 2008, a list of freshmen and sophomores with a usage above 20, assist percentage above 17, and assist to turnover ratio greater than one and a half, which is ideally the at least what you want to see if you want to project like a primary ball handler at the next level. A block uh, percentage above two, a steal percentage above two, 40 made threes, uh, and 80 makes up the rim. Since 2000. Can, I ask, can I ask a question? Yeah. On the Thad Young stat hunting, <laughs> where does this like, where does this rank? Like one to ten, ten being the thaddiest, the thaddiest stat of all time. This is this like a, a six? solid six. This is solid okay. six. Okay. Okay. John Morant, Lonzo Ball, Kobe Buffett. That's they should best. they should draft that guy then. <laughs> and a, exactly that's it that's the that, that's that that's the sound job right there that's Kobe Lufkin's really good I think um Josh yeah. likes him so I'm in and yeah. an, analytic exactly I credit Tim and Josh honestly because jo- Josh was te- tweeting about him in December Tim also brought him up as a Don't connector credit him ever. Just like, <laughs> hey man listen <laughs> our, our Listen, man, I still want my free medical advice, okay? So I'm going to give Tim all the credit. <laughs> but no, it, and so he plays on the Michigan team with Jet. And when Jet, like, hurt his ankle towards the end of the year, he got, like, real creation reps. And then you saw him, like, going from, like, a dude who was just spotting up, catch and shoot, coming off, you know, pin downs, uh, putbacks, like, every single shot type you could imagine he was involved in. He just became this primary creator, and he looked good. Like, his handle was tight. He was making really good reads, reading the second line of the defense, um, you know, got to the rim, finished, showed off his length, has really quick hands, a very capable defender. And like, you could see that he could be a connector, but then when he was given more opportunity and usage and, and primary reps, he, he, he really shined. And I think, you know, ideally, if you're going to come in, it's not like we, it's not like at this point, you know, you're going to have a guy, a rookie come in and immediately take backup guard minutes. But he can be a connector, I think, on, you know, uh, pretty early in the NBA. And you can project him as like a primary guy. So to me, I think, yeah, and he fits the Raptors profile and look of guards they'd like to draft. You know, you look at DeLon, 
uh, Delano, even Scotty, all those, you know, defensive metrics and, and, you know, tools that you want in a guard or a primary creator. He has all that. So I think he just checks so many boxes and he's a really easy fit. Trey, I know you have Buffkin thoughts, so let's, let's hear them. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge Buffkin fan. I think um, I mentioned on the pod before he offers a, like a lot of the upside swing that Jordan Poole does where he can both play off the ball with um, a primary score and ball handler where he can run off pin downs, take the ball off a, a DHO and finish at the rim. And he's a really good finisher. He can um, offer some of those creations and maybe lead a bench lineup, say two, three years down the road. Um, the scary part with him is that a lot of his stock is still based on a, a small stretch of the season where he got the opportunity. So it's really dependent on whether you think the former or latter is like his ideal situation as a player. But two out of two of the informed members of this podcast are willing to take that bet. You believe the small sample? I, I do. I think he, I think he offers a lot of what, like what the Raptors need. And he actually defends, which is very rare from a player with like that archetype. I don't think like if the Raptors are thinking we need a rookie player that's going to provide rotation minutes next season, I don't think he's the person. Like there's a really good chance with him um, trying to get into the league and a lot of what he does is analyzing, understanding the angles and taking those angles and trying to get to the rim. I don't think he's going to be able to do that in year one. Similar to Jordan Poole where he won off similar, similar reasons and shot 39% in his first year. He's going to need time to develop, which is why I'm more conservative on on that on on our pick. And I want a tertiary player who's probably going to play well the next year. That makes sense. Key, before we get out of here, um, any any parting shots for the listeners? Any thoughts on uh, the draft, the Raptors, the Blue Jays? This is a Blue Jays friendly podcast. Um, draft. Uh, I'm looking at. I heard you guys say Grady Dick and. If he's around that that range, I would love to have him on my team. Just a knockdown shooter, uh, movement shooter. You know that would be great. I haven't watched um, like a million games of his, but I've watched enough to be like, okay, this could be a guy. And I've listened to some other pods where they're pretty high on him as well. Uh, in terms of the Raptors, we won recently, so like all of this is kind of just butter. At the end of the day, like I never thought I'd be celebrating a championship parade in my city for the Toronto Raptors like in my lifetime I never thought that was going to happen so for that to happen this this is all just kind of whatever at this point perspective uh, Jays, yo we're, we're winning it man like we're we're gonna we're actually gonna do something this year last year you know some growing pains they said it was going to be a movie and I, I guess it wasn't the best <laughs> movie uh this year I'm, I'm hoping to get like uh everything everywhere all at once so uh yeah. <laughs> Damn. Fire. Um, all right. That feel like a podcast, fellas. Does anybody feel like they want they want to share anything else? I'll go out there. I'll share my I just want go ahead. I just want Key to know I just want Key to know size listening to this pod. I need you to off that championship. What are you doing for us now? It's yeah, all yeah. about now. Besides lost all goodwill with me, for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not as emotional as yesterday, but <laughs> He, there's a reason why he didn't speak today. I, <laughs> Let me say this. No more Division 6-9. Let's get guys who know how to play basketball. Stop trying to teach uh, tight ends how to shoot a basketball. It's not working. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I, I need a guy who want to hoop. I, I need a guy who can score. Defense is whatever, man. We'll figure that out. 
But, you know, figure the, the, the scoring is what I want. I want to yeah. be – I'd rather be Sacramento right now. Give me a top def, uh, top offense in the league and the defense, whatever. At least an exciting hoops. <laughs> we want – we I think, yeah, that – it's kind of – fan bases always react differently to team building than the other teams because, like, front offices, they don't watch nearly as much basketball as you'd think. They just look at results. So – it's probably no wonder that the Raptors hung on to Vision 6-9 longer than they maybe should have because it was the ugliest basketball in the world, but they weren't watching from night to night. They were like, yeah, I guess they're winning minutes, like the starting lineup works, something like that. Um, all right, that feels like a good place to end it. As for everybody listening, once again, you can hit the link in the bio to support the podcast and the sponsor. And for S, for Baker, for Key, for Nabil, for Trey, for myself, um, I hope you enjoy this podcast. This was completely unique and different from anything Trey and I have done. Actually, in fact, it's I've never done a podcast like this, just like a rotating it, people pop in. Baker speaking from like a liminal space with that deep ass voice of his. You can't see him at all. And um, yeah, uh, it was fun. Thanks to everybody for hopping on. Thanks to everybody for listening in. If you're listening on YouTube, like the video, subscribe. Subscribe over at raptorsofpublic.com. That's the most important one. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for tuning in and chopping it up with us. If you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.